before we start today's episode, we have a voicemail from Seth over at Waste Mailing List. Evening, Ben. Seth here again from Waste Mailing List. I'm calling in tonight to gather some energy around the newly released multi-volume novel Antagony by Luis Goitasolo, translated by Brendan Riley, and published by Dolkey Archive Press. The last time I called into the show... I was intent on spreading the word about the literary event that was and continues to be Solenoid by Mir Chikarta Rescue, translated by Sean Cotter. Now, from where I'm sitting, Antagony is the latest in the new tradition of massive, genre-defying, high-density literature and translation. At the time, I referred to Solenoid as a watershed moment in contemporary fiction, and Antagony is, in my opinion, the next stage in that development. This novel is a work of four volumes, spanning over 1,200 pages and 500,000 words. Broadly speaking, the cycle is a buildings roman that follows the life of a man named Raul Ferrer Gaminda, set during the Spanish Civil War and carrying all the way through to Francisco Franco's dictatorship. Despite being conceived as a single novel, Goytasolo's magnum opus has yet to be at least until now, released in a single volume. And part of that fault can be laid at the feet of the Spanish censors who initially banned it due to its violent, sexual, and politically volatile content. Consequently, the first volume was originally published in Mexico, which, as is the case with many great works of Latin American literature, was consigned to the critical margins for years. Here's what the legendary Peruvian novelist Mario Vargas Llosa has to say about it. Despite being an ambitious and complex book, difficult to read due to the protoplasmic configuration of the narrative matter, it is also an experiment intended to renew the content and the form of the traditional novel, following the example of those paradigms which revolutionized the genre of the novel, or at least tried to do so, above all, Purston Joyce, and doing so without renouncing a certain moral and civic commitment to historical reality, which is always present as the novel's backdrop. And Losa is not the only one to make this comparison. Damn near every review of this omnibus I've read, scarce as they may be, has likened it to Proust, Joyce, Musil, Grossman, Fuentes, Bolaño. It's one of those sprawling, world-containing epics that only come around once in a generation. And as I've said before, books like these do not get published en masse these days. We are once again privileged to have publishers like Dolkey Archive Press putting their trust in their rarefied audience and making an investment like this worthwhile. So here's my ask of you. If you're the kind of reader who craves that totalizing, demanding, time-consuming text, which will push you to the edge of your abilities as a reader, then do yourself and the industry a favor by ordering yourself a copy of Antagony. There are many more texts like it waiting to be translated if this investment pays off. That's it from me today. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thanks, Seth. I completely agree with you. I think everyone should go out and have a look at Antagony. I can't wait for my copy to arrive. Head over to Dalkey Archive and order it. Now onto our feature interview with Ben Slotkey. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of Beyond Zero. I'm your host Ben. Joining me today is Ben Slotkey. Ben is a writer. His new novel, An Evening of Romantic Lovemaking, is out now through Dalkey Archive. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's always nice to have another Ben on, so it's a good excuse. It won't get confusing. Not at all. <laughs> How is life in Bloomington, Illinois? Ben, it is fantastic. Um, <laughs> Bloomington's fine. It's a nice little town. I've lived here for a while. My family, my dad lives here. Um, my wife's family's from around here. It's a nice, quiet place to raise some kids. And it's about two hours south of Chicago. It was know. about two hours south of Chicago. Yeah, it's two towns right next to each other. It's Bloomington and Normal. 
a lot of jokes can be made there, but mm. uh, about 150,000 between the two cities, relatively small. Yeah. Right. And so when people say, where is it? Mm. And I say, you know, think of nowhere and then go right in the middle of that. <laughs> That's where it is. That's probably, okay. which oddly enough is actually two hours south of Chicago. Yeah. It's funny because there's a Ben Fold song, speaking of Ben's, where he talks about oh, Illinois, yeah. Illinois. So, there you oh, go. yeah. Perfect. Very familiar. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Okay. So now I've got a reference point. There you go. See, and, and where did you get that reference point? A oh, Ben. That's right. Oh, That's the important place to get Lord. references. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to cancel our interview yesterday, as you know, because my daughter was sick. But then I realized, like, you've got like six kids and you've got six year old twins. Like, how do you get time for anything? I don't. I don't. That's the short answer. I don't have any time to do anything, um, which is fine. You know, it's not it's not bad. I think like anything else, you you find time if you like you would do any with anything. So writing is no different when you when you, you when you want to find the time to do it, you will find the time to do it. And that has been, you know, over the years, it's been usually I get up early, very early. So and then I can just sort of do my things. And because I realized, you know, from 6.30 on until whenever bedtime is, that's not my time, right? Yeah. So I have to figure it out. And sometimes it's, sometimes I make it and sometimes I don't. Yeah. Most of the times I don't. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, so what do you do for a day job over there? I work in an insurance company, a big, big, big insurance company. Big. <laughs> I don't know if I should say really where it is, but uh, no, it's here in town. It's here in Bloomington. It's a large insurance company. Uh, I did public affairs work for a long time. And uh, now I'm just in a different, like, like we, were, we were chatting a little bit before. And I said that my job, I work in the IT department and I know nothing about IT. I'm, I'm tech, I know nothing. So my job though, is to listen to all these technical concepts, terms, et cetera, and then translate them, you know, take them in the language that I could understand, that you can understand, right? And it's it's interesting. It isn't interesting. Like the work itself isn't interesting, but the act of what you're trying to do is interesting. With the insurance job, it yeah. sounds like that's what you're doing. Like you're just making something that nobody understands. Yes. This is something kind of tangible. Yes. And you take what, 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 and I think is, is evident in certainly in, in this book, but in, in a lot of things that I do is that trying to take these disparate elements and arranging them, right. So that they make sense because it's there. That's how I feel about all my writings. Like I know that it's stuff is there, the, the idea, the concept, what I want to do, how it's supposed to end up. I'm not really sure. So then you have to tinker around it and sort of play with it. And that's what I do, you know, in my day job, which is totally, uh, you know, diametrically opposed to what I'm writing around here. It's not like it's a, <laughs> an insurance seminar of romantic lovemaking. <laughs> well, that does sound interesting. I think I've seen that video on Pornhub. <laughs> I would not click on that. <laughs> it's not very interesting, but it's, I get it. It's just yeah. an insurance salesman. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway before we move on to your book uh i yeah. want to ask you about how you got into writing and also what projects have you worked on previously to this one um how did i get into it it was well i went to i went to did my undergrad and with an english degree i i i've always kind of just done it a little bit not nothing Nothing at all. Never tried to write a book or never tried to write a short story. Never tried to do any of that stuff. But I went to, got my undergrad in English. I went to grad school in Illinois State. And that's where I started with, I don't know if you, I started writing with um, David Foster Wallace and yeah. Kurt White. And those okay. were my teachers. And I didn't know either one. I didn't know. And I liked... I got into the the writing program just because when when I some of my um, workshop stuff right that was in with with David's class and I never knew like I honestly didn't know that writing could elicit that kind of 
emotion in other people. Like I didn't know, like I knew if I read something, right. That, that moved me or that I thought, man, that's cool. Or, you know, that's, th this is interesting the way they're doing this. I didn't think that I could do that. You know what I mean? I just thought that was for somebody else. So then I started, I started um, writing and I wasn't really good. And I didn't really enjoy it. Like I liked doing it kind of, but I thought, I thought I kind of had to do it a certain way. And then I can remember, I just said, well, to hell with this. And I'm just going to start doing things that I would, you know, that I would like, right? And that's when it, then it just sort of took off from there. Wow. And okay. it's the, uh, in uh, Daniel Max, one of the guys who blurbed on the back of the book, he interviewed me for, he wrote this biography about, about, about David and interviewed me for that. And there's a, there's a scene in there where, or the part in there where he talks about when David, I, I don't want to go away. I don't want to take too much time. It tells him. Dumb no, story. like a, a David Foster Wallace anecdote, like is, is going to be asked for sure. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I wrote, I wrote a story and this is, I'm like, th that's when I'd said, you know, I'm just going to see what happens. So I'm in this, I'm in this workshop, he's teaching it and he would pick three people to comment on it. Right. And Everyone did first two people, they were very, you know, they're fine. And then this one young lady said, This is the best story I've ever read in my life. And you could tell, and he was, you know, kind of gave her the side. I like, is it really? And she I mean, she was just very, very effusive and very just glowing. And after I think this is in this is in uh Daniel's book, he said something about, he said, I have never seen a collective dick sucking like I just witnessed <laughs> here. And he said, I will. And my honestly, Ben, my biggest, one of my biggest regrets in life is that I didn't say immediately, well, then you need to see more dick suckings. That's what I should have said, but I didn't. I didn't say anything. So um, he said, and I'm going to try, I'm going to do my best to, to prevent, you know, you from becoming an egomaniac and losing your mind. Mm -hmm. So he's going to try and, you know, and he did. He did. Wow. So, and after that, and then I, I wrote a story. I remember, this is funny. I remember, this is all coming back to me now. I was reading this collection of short stories and I liked it. It's called Dear Dead Person. I forget who wrote it, but anyway, and in the back, it said, so-and-so has been, his name was Ben, Benjamin Weissman. Good grief. Um, yeah, another Ben. But, yeah. Another Ben. <laughs> he, and it said, you know, where he put, you know, you find his work in X, Y, and Z. And the first thing in there was the Santa Monica Review, which is, I didn't know what the heck it was. So I'm like, oh, okay. That's where this dude wrote. You know, that's where this dude was published. I like this dude. Maybe. So I sent a story there and they loved it. And I was shocked and I had no idea. So I went in there. And then after that, it was, it was, you know, pretty regular. So when I would just write, Short stories. I had one collection that was published back in 2010, maybe, and then republished again. But I've had, you know, just short stories and things like that. And I just do it for, you know, when, when I, when it, you know, when the spirit moves me, I guess. Right. I don't sit down every day and say, I'm going to write for X amount of time. Mm. None of that was any good. No, that was great. Um, okay. It's funny because when I read this book and I had no idea about the David Foster Wallace connection, but when you started talking about insurance, I kind of felt like, you know, almost brought me back to, you know, some David Foster Wallace stuff, like with yeah. Pearl King. So yeah, kind of like sits in the same universe in a way. There's, there, there's something that, that, and that parts of it have been, there's something that I'm working on now that, that I'm actually, I'm probably finished with it, but, but, uh, that idea of setting this in an uh, in a corporate environment is fascinating to me. Like that is, and so this thing that I'm working on now, it's very poetic and it's nothing like this at all. Like you would have, you, I I don't know that you would recognize them as being from the same person. Which I'm not that that's not necessarily good or or you know it's not like it's better. This is worse, but it's just it's just different. Because, and that's, that's interesting to me. Like, there's a lot of things that I cannot do, right? Like, I just couldn't do it. And I could try to do it, but it wouldn't be any good. So I just try and, 
concentrate on the, the idea of putting something in an office environment, you know, these huge ideas into this very small thing that's mm. compressed. I, you know, I like it. I like yeah. it. It's very cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Let's move on to a night of romantic lovemaking. It takes a form of a stand-up comedy gig. We soon find out the comedian who may have cancer is having marriage trouble uh, and he's holding his audience captive. And he's taking the opportunity for a bit of a Larry David style rant about everything. Can you tell us a bit more about the setup of the book? I mean, that's pretty good. That is pretty, that is it. That is, uh, that is pretty close. Um, the idea, the, what I always, what I wanted to do was to, what was important to me was that notion of telling it like a stand-up comedy. I'm, I am, as much as I've been influenced by, by literature and books and writers, I am equally, if not more, influenced by comedians, by stand-up. I, I'm fascinated. I love it. I love everything about it. And I thought, what an effective way to tell a story, right? Because mm -hmm. if I went up there and said, if I wrote a story that was just this sad, here I, you know, depressing, alienating, do you know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, that's not going to, I personally, like I could, I could read that and admire it and say, oh, I see what he was doing there. She was, I can see what the author was doing there. And I know the point they were trying to make. I just don't particularly care for that. Now people, believe me, people will look at this and say the exact same thing. I don't care for the way this is told at all. And I, I get it completely. I don't know if there was another way that I could have told this. I don't know if I could have done this particular thing in any other, you know what I mean? Like in any other context or in any other form it had to be told some way that would be somewhat engaging and like the idea of being held hostage right i wanted the reader to be held hostage in in you're going to be held hostage because the from from the get-go it's sort of relentless you're in it it's happening you sort of figure out what's going on as but it's not altogether unenjoyable at, in the beginning right at parts it's not people could be put off by it. I, I get it just by the way that it's told. One of the things about it, when I, you know, those books and there's a whole lot of these books at the moment that are kind of like these monologues. And I guess in a way, this is quite a, basically it's a monologue, but I'm so happy that you've put in chapters and you put in breaks in this text. Cause I think otherwise it would be totally relentless because he is talking about everything. And it is just this sense that he is just getting everything. He's evacuating every thought from his head every frustration he can possibly get out of his head. Um, and I think you pulled it off really well because the way it's set up and the way you've written it, the way you've structured it as well, and the fact that it's really funny um, gives it that kind of impetus for the reader to get through. Because I think if it was a block of text, I think it probably would bog you down. Um, but yeah, in, in the way you've done it, just breaks it up into almost little like bit pieces and like, there are some great jokes in here as well. There are some really like deadpan, like pieces of humor. So yeah, it had me. That, yeah. that, that is, uh, that's John O'Brien from the, the late, great John O'Brien. When the, ori the original version that he read was, it was close to 500 pages long. Yeah. And it was exactly what you were saying. Yeah. It was exactly like that. <laughs> like you were saying, it could be, it was, Ben. It was, <laughs> it was relentless. And, that, it was, and that's what I want. That is exactly, like what you're saying is exactly what I was trying to do. So honestly, this is no, this is no bullshit, but like that is, I feel, I feel like I've succeeded, right? I honestly do. If yeah. somebody says, someone who, you don't know me at all, but somebody reads that and and that's what they get out of it man oh man Good. this is great but no first one i did was about 500 pages long and it was supposed to be this onslaught i'm like and i said to john i said i just want it to be like like someone's just getting punched in the face for 500 pages and he said yeah. do you think people want to get punched in the face <laughs> i said no i don't no i don't i did but now i don't yeah i had no idea but then when he said it, and he said it just like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, you don't want to do that. Mm. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> said, I'm going to, and he's all right. It's all coming out here, Ben. Mm. We, uh, he said to me, I want to show you something. And I said, all right. And he said, and I never do this. And he said, these are, I had two readers, 
two of my readers read this and I want you to see what they say about this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, he's, you know, he's, he told me he's publishing this book. So, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So this is, I can't wait. I'm like, bring it on. They were the worst, uh, the most, the meanest. <laughs> I mean, not like yeah. the, they not only didn't like this book, they didn't like me. They never met, they have no, they've never met me, but they hated me. And yeah. it was clear. And John said, I want you to see this mm-hmm. because no, you know, they don't like this and they don't like you, but they can't say, oh, this is a piece of shit. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. They love to. They <laughs> love to say that it's a piece of shit. But they can't. That's how I feel about like the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm-hmm. I don't like them. Yeah, I don't. It's not for me, but I'm not going to go look at that piece of shit because it isn't, right? Yeah. Uh, so that and so when he said that, he's like, "So come back, come up with something," because you can't do this. He didn't say it quite that that horribly, but it was it was pretty close. So he was it was like, "Yeah, figure out what we're going to do here," because I we're doing something with this, but it ain't this. Yeah. And wow. so that was the that's how it started. Break it up. Yeah. Wow. And so. Like with that, and obviously I didn't know that this book was a 500-page monologue, but it totally makes sense. You imagine. But, yeah, but to break it up into what is essentially, what, 150 pages now? Yeah. That's like a 400-page haircut. That's pretty yeah. crazy. Yes, it is. Wow. There's a lot. Well, see, there's a lot. Okay, one of, and this is may segue into something that we're going to talk about later, and we're talking about, you know, gateway books and books like that. There was, there's a book by... Uh, and Kurt White gave it to me by um, Jacques the Fatalist by Diderot, who, who, and the whole thing is he's about to tell the story of his lost loves. Like that's what the whole thing is. And he keeps getting distracted and starts yeah. doing other things. So the whole thing goes, and it's, you know, fun. and that to me was, that's what I wanted to do here. Yeah. So he's doing everything he can do to not address this, this issue of, uh, well, you know, throw a dart, you know, going to hit an issue, right? But like, he's going to do everything he can do to hem and haw and run away and and divert and, you know, through the through the tropes and mechanisms that are pulling you in, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the cadence, the, the style, the humor. He's trying to, you know, use that to fix his many wounds and ailments. Yeah. And it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Brilliant. Okay. That makes so much more sense. With the protagonist in your book, uh, one thing you share, you both have six kids. Was it fun kind of drawing a few comparisons, I guess, to yourself in this book? No, no, not really. <laughs> um, no, it's fine. It's fine for me. But like, if someone reads us, they're, you know, this isn't, this is fiction. Like this is not 100% accurate as, mm. as, but um, yeah, uh, some of it. Yes. Some of it. Yeah. It was kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> With the comedy elements of it, and I totally see that whole stand-up comedian kind of aspect to this book, because like I was talking to Adam Levin recently, who's also from Illinois, yeah. I suppose, but he also like just loves stand-up comedy. And I think that's his kind of, his last book, Mount Chicago, was basically, a lot of it was just a stand-up comedy gig. And I really see the joy in the writing and things like that, because it is like this great setup to like a point and then you get this like payoff um yeah but yeah but i wanted to ask about i guess specific influences writing this book in terms of like comedy or writing comedy is just sort of a i mean i can't pick like somebody you know that, that i said that's who i want to emulate or that's who you know this this particular style or or, or anything like that nothing just in general the 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 idea of somebody going and i've thought and i've done it you know, I've done a couple of stand-up um, gigs that went about as well as you would think. It's per- because there were, I'm, you know, it wasn't big. You know, there's 50, 60 people in there and everyone's having a pretty fine time. I take it into a area that people aren't so, it is. But anyway, one guy is his, er, uh, people are booing and they do not, they're not booing, but they do not like me. And uh, one guy is dying. He is laughing hysterically. And I said, I'm just going to talk to you now for the rest of the time. And I did. And this one guy loved it, which is probably, you know, pretty symbolic of, of, of how this is going to go, you know, about, uh, about how a lot of this stuff I get, I get that it isn't for everybody. As far as like, that was be more the style, but the, the breaking it up, you know, mm-hmm. the breaking it up into sections and, 
and different things like that. That's not really a novel idea, right? Breaking a story up into sections. Who's ever done that before, mm. right? Everybody. But like, that was just that was just more John, you know, O'Brien. That was Kurt White saying, like Kurt White said, he's like, you you have a lot of ornaments. You need a tree. Like you need something to hang these on, right? Mm. Because you have a lot of things, which I always thought was a great, that was a great way to put it, you know. Mm. And I think for a lot of writers, you have a lot of these ideas. These, these things that you want to do and concepts that you want to explore, but no real cohesive way to do it. So once you come up with that guy on stage holding people hostage, well, then everything else kind of falls in the, into line. Yeah. But it took I, me years to get to there. Yeah. I think this kind of humor, and I think it's kind of the uncomfortable style of humor. And that's why I think I brought up Larry David before. It's kind of got that sense that it does make you uncomfortable, yeah. which I find hilarious in general because i think that's the whole idea of making your audience totally uncomfortable because they're being held hostage and this guy is just ranting about everything i think that idea of just being uncomfortable sitting in an audience watching some guy just completely self-destruct <laughs> in a lot of ways is just a funny like a really funny notion it kind of reminds me of that um i think woody allen said it like tragedy is cutting your finger and comedy is walking into an open sore and dying which I think is really, that's encompassed in this novel, I think. Yeah. I mean, there is, there is nothing I think too about scenes where things are just, just so painful mm -hmm. to watch, you know, and that, that sort of, and that's what I wanted to do, right. With this, I wanted to make it so that, yeah, I mean, there are very funny, they're funny parts. No, not like, I don't want to sound, but there are, there are funny, funny parts in there, but there's also parts where you go, oh my lord, stop doing this. Yeah. Don't just don't don't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And that that's sort of like the end result was supposed to be that, like just what you're saying. Yeah. So that's good. Good. Okay. Nice one. All right. I want to ask you what you're working on at the moment. You kind of hinted at it before, but I want to ask you what oh, you're about hinting. I have been working on. A couple of things for a long long time for a long time i did write another book another small novel called a wave a wash and it's it's set in it's nothing like this at all it's nothing like um it's nothing like this book at all in the sense that it's more it is still kind of a very narrow you know one perspective but it's it's told in in a large office environment and it's this this very poetic and, and it's a guy walking around in the middle of all these things that he doesn't completely understand and no one else seems to understand either and it's very quiet it's very it's pretty you know and that sounds dumb but i wanted to i wanted to write something that was that was pretty, that was beautiful, that a real thing that someone could say. And not like this, not like I'm disparaging this at all, but it's not, that's not what I was trying to do here, right? Mm -hmm. And this, I wanted to see if I could do that. And I did, it's good. And there are parts of that that have been published, you know, across the various whatevers, as far as little things. It was in, it was in an anthology a couple of years ago. I'm working on a, a, a crime novel, right? Uh, oh, but wow. not set in... A corporate environment and it's too if i may do i can i talk yeah. a little bit go for it yeah right. please do it's called it's called the last first time that's a great title isn't it, it? is yeah i'm pretty that's good so that's and it's two stories right it's two stories that are sort of they're told they're told parallel they don't these these there's a guy security guard his whole backstory wife committed suicide kid is dead rebuilding his life doing all these things he's he got this this arc another there's another guy who's completely insane and he's got his own backstory and these two intersect and at the very it's the same story told through different Landers. perspectives yeah. not not novel but putting but putting all of this stuff in something that's you know there is nothing more you know, familiar and familiarly horrifying than than uh, the corporate office. And I don't know if you've. It's it's what you think. Like it it is what you know, and it is 
it is soul sucking, right? It is, it is, it is. But you know what? It's what you, you it's what you make of it. I think this is. I'm diverging here. No, no, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, that's so. I'm working on those two things. Yeah, I'm working on. I'm working on that. And I'll never. When I say working, I mean, you know, dog just walked in. <laughs> when I say working, it's not like I'm, you know, at the grindstone all day trying to do. It's when I, I, here's what this is. I know what this is going to be. Like, I know the scenes and I know all of this stuff and I have 85% of it done. It's a question of finishing. I hate mm -hmm. to finish things. I yeah. hate, I do not want to finish. Yeah. Not because, not because for a couple of reasons, I always think I can do it a little bit better like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I also think now what the hell am I going to do? Yeah. Like, what the hell am I going to do now? <laughs> I already have, that's the only good idea I have. Yeah. But so, and I'm, I'm trying to sort of get away from that, mm. that, that, that mentality and just say, just don't worry about what it is. So I have thousands of pages of, of things. And I always think, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Because when it is time, just like with this, just like with everything I've ever done, when it's, when it's the right time, that'll, you know, that'll happen. There's a, I don't know there's a singer, Towns Van Zandt. I don't know if you're, yeah, he's yeah. a. So he said once, he's like, I'm just glad I was around when that song was ready to get written. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. these, it's not like I made it up. When I say, he was saying something about, they were complimenting one of his songs. He's like, yeah, that's a good song. It's like, I'm not saying that like, oh, hey, look at me. But it is a good song. I just kind of picked, you know, I just found it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just plucked it out of the wherever. That's yeah. kind of, like, these ideas are all there. It's just yeah. a question of arranging and getting them. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. I can't wait for that. That sounds pretty fun. Yeah, no, it should be. Yeah. It, yeah, it will. But again, I'd like to, you know, I don't want to finish it. Yeah. Okay. Because then I've like, I've, you hang out with these people for so long and you're like. You don't want to say goodbye. Yeah. And so like for this, for this book, you know, you talk in this voice for so long, you know, that it becomes, it, it's hard to get rid of it yeah yeah i was like, taken hostage not unlike <laughs> your audience in your book yes yeah cool all right that sounds really good i want to ask you one more question about your book um yeah before we get into oh i'm gonna shut this door here real quick sure. it is uncannily quiet here it's I eerie Crazy. i know they're all here there's at least four of them here maybe someone's taken them hostage <laughs> maybe yeah Weird. You know what? I'm all, I'm all right with it. Yeah. Depends on which four. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. go ahead. Yeah. Well, it could be like a, that could be like a really good babysitting operation where you just get a gunman into your house and just keep them hostage for like three hours. There you go. Yeah. Kids just do what the kids, they say. The business idea. You'd, like it, yeah. I, I reckon that could work well. Okay. We might look into that. <laughs> anyway, um, I want to ask you one more question about your book and that yeah. is your publisher because Dalkey Archive is obviously it's been around for years and years and years, but I think that obviously with their relaunch uh, with the Vellum, I think it's just amazing seeing all these books coming out now and having their little uh, imprint on the side of your book like must be great for a writer. It's overwhelming. It really is. It's it's and I think I think that this was the last book that he that John picked. Wow. Like this was it. Yeah. Probably, uh, I don't know. <laughs> there could be a reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, he said, I have to hell with this. I'm on my way out. <laughs> we used to joke. I would say, who's going to die first? And I said, he said, well, I am, you know, I've already been dead. I'm like, I listen, don't sell me short. This could happen any day. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, that was, it was funny because for years when, when I had this done, they, and I didn't know John and it was, and Kurt said, if John O'Brien would read this, he would love it. Like, no, cause this had gone out to, to agents and publishers and uh, to a person, they said, don't know what I could do with this. Like, and there's parts of this that I, I love and, and I just don't know what I, I don't know. I like, I don't know what to do. And people had said, publishers told me later, you know, I'm glad somebody was brave 
to do this. And, and Kurt always said, if John read this, he'd love it. I'm like, well, and I said, well, then, and he said, but he'll never read it. And he didn't for a long time. And then he did and he loved it. Wow. So when, so when he said that, and I had been, I had been with well, some of the, one of my desert Island books is, is a donkey reprint, but um, I, it, it's ridiculous to me. And I would hope that I would hope that people who wouldn't normally read this book would lend, you know, because, because of the donkey imprint being on it, I, that they would give it a chance. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And then if they didn't like it, they'd think, well, hell, there's mm. gotta be something. You know what I mean? Yeah. There has to be something to this. Yeah. I think the prestige of that label, um, I know that I would buy a book. I would buy anything they published. Like I couldn't care less. I would buy, if they published, I don't know, Marion Key's books, I'd probably buy them. So yeah. Just... So, all right. With that, what did you, like when you saw this, when you got this and you said, here's this donkey book and it's this, and then yep. you started reading it. What, like, what did you think? I honestly, like, I think that donkey have a prestigious place in my head. Like, I don't think it matters to me what it is um essentially i'm going to open it up and i'm going to read like and again I'm, I'm the kind of reader who if i don't like something i will stop because i don't have yeah. time to to read crappy no novels but dalky like i know that odds are i'm going to like a book dalky put out because i think they they just they know what they know what people like right. and they know what i like and in general like I'm always going to give a darky book a bit longer than I would a, a publisher who, you know, maybe a mainstream publisher, let's say. Like I'm going to, you know, let's say I read a book from Penguin. If I don't like it, then I will chuck it out. Like, but I think right. darky have probably, a, I think they've got 25% credit on a book. Um, like, yeah. honestly, I think I'd read a quarter of a book by Dalky. Um, If it was like a Penguin book, I might read five, 10% and then go, nah, yeah. for me, move on. That's a good that's a good that's a good way to put it that's a and that's a very probably honest way to I, I'm gonna give them the I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt I may get into this thing and go oh my and he could very well may you know you may give it that 25 percent credit and then say all right to hell with this yeah that's that's fine but no I I know I know exactly what that's like yeah I think more so to be not. to be there and you know to be there amongst you know Gaddis, right? Mm, Sorrentine. Yeah. Like that's to me, it's like, all right. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'll take it. Exactly. I think that's the kind of thing where, you know, if you, you know, on your tombstone, you can just have a dalky imprint and that's <laughs> it. You're in the you're in the club now. You'll be partying up there with Gaddis at some like yeah. some never ending like dinner party, and then someone will take you all hostage in heaven. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I say, how the hell did you get in here? <laughs> but you know i had i and honestly like i know that i know that writing humor i, I know i know that humor in general does not lend itself to legitimacy they're not it's not a direct correlation between you know it, it isn't i i think that's odd because when you see when you see some comedians you know throughout history who have you know, flaunted social convention, you know what I mean? Who've done the, the, these daring thing. Lenny Bruce was, you know, and everyone was going crazy about, about that. But like, they're these, these truth tellers and stuff like that. But no one just says, no one looks to the uh, comedian for, for to, man, I'm not, I'm not wording this correctly, but like, it's hard, it's hard clearly for you to, for you to be viewed as something other than that's just being funny do you know what i mean like that's and i knew that that was going to be a hurdle my whole life like i knew that that would be a hurdle to sort of overcome yeah and i had a professor in college who said you were you're your own worst enemy mm. you know you could be this is you know i was thinking about academia and about and he said you could do this but not like this like not if you're you have to be serious about this yeah and you don't take and you could do it but you don't and i i think i made the right choice yeah. i do mm. No, definitely. I think, I think humor gets you further in a lot of ways. I think that if you write a serious book like this, I don't think, like you said before, I don't think people would get through it because it is too dark and it's too, it's too um, depressing. But like, if you do it's, it, it's terribly depressing. Yeah, but if you do it in the form of a of dark humor, um, and a, and a lot of the jokes are really laugh out loud kind of jokes in this book, but 
it is that kind of anxiety provoking, real um, hard to read, shameful kind of humor. But yeah, I think that kind of works. It gives the book a lot more impetus, I think. So you've done a great job with that. Thank you. All right, let's talk about your gateway books. What were some of the books that drew you into the world of literature? Gateway book. I'll tell you, the I, I read Aberration of Starlight by Gilbert Sorrentino. And that, I, I can tell you more than any other book in my, th that profoundly changed the way that I saw reading and writing the, the entire thing. I had no idea that anything like this could possibly be done. And it's just, and that is the, just the slight, it's the same story told, which is not a novel idea, I get that. But like the way that he does this in different forms, there are interviews, there are, you know, third person, there's the way that he just sort of, all the, all the narrative tricks that he employs in this thing, not tricks, but you know what, David Foster, we used to talk about that all the time. And he would say about tricks and you can't rely on tricks. And he said something about a one trick pony. I'm like, that's still a trick. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's still a trick. And he's like, yeah, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. You know, it's still something that you can do. So all the things that, all the techniques, that's better, that Sorrentino employs in this, to throw them in this tiny little book, right? And this very simple, you know, this family goes on vacation in the, in the, whatever, and they, uh, and it just blew my mind. And I thought, this is fantastic. That's one um, gateway. You know, this is James Elroy, crime writer, right? Hmm. He, 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 I love crime books for real. I genuinely enjoy them. And I read voraciously all of this stuff. And I loved James Elroy. I thought he was great. And you can see in, in his earlier, not super early, but this LA, like the LA Confidential, White Jazz, Big Nowhere, American Tabloid, those kind of things in there. There's a part where you can tell he starts writing like James Elroy. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, you can tell he's really enjoying what he's doing. And I don't know if you're familiar with anything, but yeah. He, and he's turned into sort of a caricature cartoony kind of, it's too much, right? But when he first started finding this style, this, you know, this staccato machine gun and with the long drawn out, you know, the way that you could tell he was having a blast doing this. And he, he thought, I'm assuming he thought, well, I can just do this. Yeah. And this is going to be my thing. And you can see him sort of discovering his, his style in this. I think it's a white jazz. That was a big one. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's cool. You can do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Vonnegut, early Vonnegut, I would think. I didn't know that you could, I didn't know that you could take these big ideas and write them like this. Like, I didn't know that you could do that. I thought if it, things would be inaccessible, right? So those, those kind of, I'd say those, those three. Amazing. Okay. The first one, the Gilbert Sorrentino, I will have to read that. I have not read that yet. Oh my gosh. That's a, yeah. It's, it's wonderful. It is wonderful. Okay. Sorry. And there is, there's a scene, there's a line in there that when they were talking about their interview, it's an interview and it's the old, the, the grandfather and they're saying, what's the one secret that he would not, you know, the one truth that he wouldn't admit to himself. And it was that he is deliberately hamstringing his own efforts. Like he's deliberately causing his own decline yeah. and stagnation, which I thought, well, you know, you could say that about a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. But it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Amazing. Okay. What books are you currently reading or have you recently enjoyed or are you looking forward to coming up? What have I read? You know what? I was just going to... I read all the time. I read right now. I, I read the new uh, Cormac McCarthy. I just read that. Is it good? I liked it. Yeah. It was not... Have you read it? No, not yet. I'm waiting for my hard copy to come in the post with the other, with the second book. It's... Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that. It... It's not like it's different. Mm. It's funny. Okay. I mean, it's like, like I and I do not think things are. I don't. I don't think things are funny. Like mm. I don't. You is it a you know when someone says a book is funny, I'm like, is it funny mm. or is it book funny? Is it funny for a book? Yeah. Which is not funny. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Or yeah. is it like if someone just said it, would it be funny? Yeah. And this is funny. And you know, it's cool. It says it does all the things you think it's going to do, but it's also funny it's what i thought oh great you know i mean this guy's the 
what are you supposed to do here? It's like, you know, it's like if, if uh, Babe Ruth and you know what I mean, was Michael Jordan and he's got everything. Wow. He can do it all. I read that. I read, I'm reading a book on Buddhism that uh, Kurt White wrote. That is, okay. you know, one of his many Buddhist books. That's mm -hmm. good. I'm reading. I just read, I read something about, um, what was it? AI. It's called the tyranny of algorithms. I forget who wrote it. That was depressing as hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm reading now. Okay. Cool. All right. Yeah. The um the book funny or real funny kind of reminds me of my uh Jewish spicy or regular spicy. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We'll take a quick break here on Beyond the Zero. We're speaking with Ben Slotkey. This episode is brought to you by Night of Romantic Lovemaking. Catch it on Pornhub. Here's a clip. God. Oh, you're right there. Oh. 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 Oh, God. We're back on Beyond Zero. It's time for Ben's Desert Island Books. I'm going to say Aberration of Starlight, which I may have mentioned five seconds ago. Mm -hmm. That would be one. And I would say there's an there's a Italian author, uh, Maurizio De Giovanni. He wrote the. He's, he wrote a series, and this is going to sound. It is Ben. I'm telling you, it, they're wonderful. They are wonderful, and it's a, it's a policeman in the 1940s in in Naples, and it's the the character. It is, and oh, and then he can see ghosts. Doesn't cool. factor in that. But he can see when someone is dead. Like he can see where if someone is dead. That has nothing to do. It is. And I said to you, again, I'm going to bring up Kurt White again, who is in, in the most irascible of the He hates everything, everything. Mm -hmm. And I said, read these things. And he loved them, loved them. Everyone, they're wonderful. They're wonderful. And the way he does a lot of really, really cool things as far as setting things up and technique. And and he just writes the the, the emotion of these characters you genuinely it's wonderful they're wonderful so not, not to put any pressure on you but you're batting two for two so far i'm putting both of those on my shopping list they, and now i and i will stand by it like i'm not this isn't one like well you may not i'm gonna tell you if you will yeah you will and the reason you will i don't know you from you know what i mean for your taste or anything like that you will appreciate them because they're good that's why you will like them mm. so i'm confident and all you listeners you as well. I don't know you. I know some of you, but <laughs> yeah, no, those, that's, those are two. Raymond Carver, mm -hmm. you know, any, any, I suppose, I think that he's wonderful. Um, I'm reading now one of his, like the uncollected stuff and I've never read that before. And you can see that's, it's interesting to me to see someone in their early stages compared to where they end up or are now or something like that and you can see the see like you could see the things that he was trying to do then but either didn't know how or didn't know that he could that's i like that you know what i'm gonna throw i'm just looking at my shelf here this is no you take my word for this one too yeah uh the norm mcdonald book which one the community norm mcdonald yeah. it's based on a true story it's not it's a novel it's not a and he was very clear. He said it's it isn't. So when people said Norm, there's no celebrity. He's like it's not a it's not a it's a novel. And Norm was very he was very he read a lot like the you know the Russian classics. That's what that was his deal. And he liked country music. 
So he liked, you know, things told plainly, simply, big eyed. It's great. It, I'm telling you, there's three. Okay. You didn't see that one coming, did you? No, not at all. There you go. I'm glad you asked. That's good. No, that 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 one, I'm telling you, I will I I will stand by it. Brilliant. And that's another. No one, you know, this is funny. He's got one of Norm's best buddies was his country singer, uh, Billy Joe Shaver. And he's got a song that's called Serious Souls. And it said, and he says there's a line that says something like, We're cursed to be born, serious souls that no one will take seriously. And that's what I was thinking when I see that. And that's part, I mean, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. That's good. I feel like I'm on the couch here. I'm having a lot of revelations. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming to me as we speak. Uh, there you go. We should, I should charge by the hour. Be great. I know. Honestly, because like when I listened to, you know, when I listened to your show before, everyone knows what they're talking That's why I'm like, I don't know. You know, <laughs> everyone seems to know what they're talking about all the time. And I do. But do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, everyone seems so much better at this than I am. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. All right. Before you wrap it up, can you tell us where we can go out and get a night of romantic lovemaking and also where we can catch up with you online? It's a, I, I hate to, it's an evening of romantic lovemaking. You know what? I, we, we talked about that. If you type in a night of romantic lovemaking. <laughs> That's right. I, I made that mistake. I did make that mistake. <laughs> Not great. An evening of romantic. You type, you can buy it anywhere, anywhere online that you can get books. I am not uh, online really so okay you can't find me done a ghost find you. how about that <laughs> <laughs> through the resources of your insurance company that's, that's exactly right believe me i know where you all are <laughs> just expect a knock on the door from ben. or don't doesn't matter because i'm still coming <laughs> perfect all right well thanks so much for chatting with me it's been a pleasure and i really yes, highly recommend an evening of romantic lovemaking though the Pornhub videos of a night of romantic lovemaking <laughs> are not too bad so yeah either way um sequel yeah question mark <laughs> <laughs> perfect all right well thank you it's been really yes. fun right on all right thank you Thanks once again to Ben Slotkey. Check out the show notes for all the details. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at beyondzeropod and you can email us at beyondthezeropod at gmail.com. You can support this podcast by heading over to patreon.com and searching for Beyond the Zero. We'll be back with the next episode next week. Of Effington, making my way to normal Illinois.